Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. For our regular wrestlers, you will realise that this is the voice of Ricky. I will be hosting this week, um, and I am joined by my good friend and fellow co-host, Clive. Good evening. Hello, Ricky. How are you in the hot seat tonight? Yeah, I feel fine. I feel fine, but (coughs) before we continue with any pleasantries and moving on with the podcast I just want to let the people know if you subscribe to Powerslam TV and input the promo code of Social Suplex, so that was powerslam.tv, promo code Social Suplex, you can get over four, you can get up to 4,000 hours of independent wrestling um, where we also you can get your own Ricky and Clive wrestling t-shirt on pro wrestling tees you can also get keeping it strong style one nation <clears throat> one nation radio and a social suplex t-shirt as well all available on pro wrestling tees nailed it <laughs> oh, anyway don't, be, told, don't be so hard on yourself Ricky you know I don't know why you struggle so much it's just we may have to have a discussion about um, hosting duties after tonight. Uh, the the discussion is over. The the floor is yours. Uh, no, thank you. Although uh, the reason why I'm doing hosting tonight is just because I kind of wanted to do it because post WrestleMania podcast, Clive will be unable to come on. He'll be down at the in-laws, so I need to get used to the hosting and recording aspect. Love it. You'll be fine. I have every faith in you. As do I. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's not even been four minutes and you've put yourself over twice. It's not even it's not even I want to get used to it or I need to do it post WrestleMania. It's the ego couldn't handle it anymore. You just had to take over. I had to do it. Well, I've got no problem with that. I'm happy being the one that speaks less at the start and the end of the show. Not a problem with me. Oh, I appreciate it. So before we continue with the podcast and what we're going to tell you is what we're going to do tonight, um, I would like to plug something before we go. Uh, my good friend Clive is in the final of the Laws of Pain columns. Um, 
please go on to all of the Lords of Pain website and the columns to read his submission. I don't think they've announced the winner yet, have they? I have checked within the last hour or so, and they have. They... So they've announced? Is it like publicly, or is this privately they've said it? It's been publicly announced, and I... Well, was... wait, 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 wait. I would like to put a drum roll in here, but anyway... Well, you might want to drop the drumsticks. I mean, that could be interpreted two different ways. <laughs> it could be. You know, I be, I was a runner-up in the tournament final against Sanyo Plan. It's all right. That's you all know, right. Says, um, yeah, I'm going to put my good friend over. His work was absolutely excellent. His 205 column every week. Um, and this series he's been doing as well... Um, so yeah, folks, just please keep reading and sharing his work. Thank you. And there's no, I am not in any way ashamed to come in second place. To come in second place at all is quite an achievement. And Samuel Plan is, is quite the pensmith, so congratulations, Plan. And it has reawakened my desire to write out with the, the 205 Live bubble. That's good, that's good. You're a winner in the end, I suppose. Yep. Or we'll we'll be the we'll be the real winners getting to read your work. <laughs> oh, you're the overputter machine tonight. Oh, just putting my friend over, right? Anyway, let's move on. So tonight we were I wouldn't say we were struggling for content. Just not much has happened that's really caught our eye where we felt like we can really dig dig deep into it. So we reached out to people on Twitter to see if anyone wants to submit any questions and we actually got some 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 good questions um we also got two questions within our private whatsapp group from rob and rance which will be answered as well so but before we continue i just want to thank everyone that um that shared the tweet in and sent us a question thank you guys and girls so i'm just i'm just going to run it in order really um from like first question that we got um, so yep let me jump on to it at the moment so question the first question right <clears throat> it came <laughs> it came from a very own Caleb Baldwin <laughs> oh god I've and seen this you one can, you can follow Caleb on Twitter at, at I am Caleb B so that was at I am Caleb B. Caleb's question is, and I feel like I want to answer this because he asks this quite a lot and no one seems to answer him. How big is Batista's dick? This was Caleb's... This is how he actually worded it. Um, I mean, I don't really know how to answer that. I really don't. But apparently the average erect penis is 5.16 inches. <laughs> Um, now they, that that study has clearly not factored in the likes of Ranch, Jeremy, and Rich, who have fucking pythons, right? <laughs> oh my so, god, almighty! My answer to Caleb is seek help. Yeah, if you, if you're that <laughs> if you're that curious about such a such just knowledge, ask, just, ask, just ask Dave yourself. Oh, uh, he's looking for a lot of attention right now, and I'm sure he'll give you it. So again, that was follow. At I am Caleb B. Caleb's actually Caleb's hilarious, actually. Um, right, so we'll move on to our more serious questions. <laughs> this came from Rab Ropes. 
So Rob Ropey, uh, you can follow him <laughs> on Twitter at Rob Ropey. So um, if Lesnar retains at WrestleMania, who ultimately dethrones him? Oh. First of all, do you think there is any possibility, especially now with three frontrunners for getting the big happy moment at WrestleMania? Do you think Seth Rollins will walk away with the title, the Universal title? You know, I kind of have a hard time believing that let's just assume Kofi's going to be in the match. Well, let's put it, I have a hard time believing that Ronda, Daniel Bryan and Brock will all lose their titles. I have a feeling at least one of them are going to retain. Um, and honestly, I don't really know. I, um, it, do you know what? It, and I'm kind of going a wee bit off, but it ties in with this point. I would be totally surprised if if Brock... Sorry, I don't... Out of the three, I think Brock's the most likely to retain. Okay. Um, I think Ronda drops it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Ronda drops it to Charlotte and not Becky. That wouldn't totally surprise me. Um, and I do expect Daniel Bryan to drop it, especially, I think, if he's up against Kofi, given the old momentum, and I think where this Kofi storyline is going, what we witnessed just last night was just another another kind of bump in the road for him and just delaying the inevitable and just kind of quote-unquote working people that much more or getting people more angry or getting you know people more invested in Kofi or whatever. Um, so who ultimately dethrones him? Is it, is it the obvious answer Roman? But, I mean... So if we don't say Roman... I would say Drew. I think there are a select few that it could be. But see, because of the whole heel-face alignment, I can't see it being a heel. Because at this rate, I can't really see Brock Lesnar being a face if he, if he does retain for a long time. Drew McIntyre is on a tear at the moment, personally. I've really enjoyed his work the last few weeks, away from the likes of Corbin and Lashley and all that stuff. From a, a physical standpoint, from a threat, the only other people I can see being are Roman and uh, Roman and Drew McIntyre. If I but the see the thing is, they've set it up that there is literally no one else left. The only one I mean, I can't think of anyone that he hasn't dealt with who is a baby face, who is deemed credible anymore. So I'm thinking that maybe, just maybe, Seth Rollins might actually walk away with it, but I'm not too sure at all. Um, I would, I would agree. I know I said Roman or Drew, but Drew is like an outside bet. I think if it's not Seth, I think Roman probably has to be the kind of heavy favourite. But you know, with the whole Fox deal coming up, who knows? Brock might end up with SmackDown. Maybe not. But, you know, someone like, I don't know, dare I say, someone like Alistair Black further down the line, you never know. Right, um, okay. I think that's just what I'm trying to just kind of, it's just out there, you know, just, it's not the norm. But it has to be Roman. And, and when that would be, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's SummerSlam. It's, like you say, it's because Brock's went through the vast majority of the roster or the credible looking threats it's like 
who now is left. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, a select few, but I have a hard time believing that it will be Drew as much as I'd like to see that. You do pose a good point about um, Brock Lesnar possibly going to SmackDown, and that opens up the possibilities a wee bit, but from the... And there is obviously a superstar shake-up probably coming shortly after WrestleMania. You might have the odd call-up from NXT. Alistair Black is kind of a good shout because that black mask can come from nowhere. The fade to black super um, spinning kick, and that can level anyone at the drop of a hat. So something like that could go to his advantage. Daniel Bryan ran him close, but we've seen that he didn't beat Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan didn't beat him, sorry. This is a problem that arises when you just have someone squash everyone over so many years and you're left with little um, little other opportunities or chances for anyone. So it's, a, t- it's a tough question, really. I would, I would kind of fight you in a way on saying squash because I think outside of Braun, he hasn't really squashed anyone recently. Like... Yeah, Daniel Bryan made that epic kind of comeback, but at no point did we feel like he was going to win, but it was still quite tight towards the end. Finn really had a lot of massive moments outside the Braun one, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. But even, I think, Brock going over to SmackDown, it's, I just can't envision that happening. I have more, I feel it's more likely to be like Seth or Roman that would go over. Um, but right now, if it's not going to be Seth at WrestleMania, the only one I can think of would be Roman. You know, the storyline's kind of there. It's, but like you said, it's difficult to really pick one. Uh huh. It's a question that is hard to answer, to be honest, Rob. Sorry to let you down so early into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, Rob's got another question we'll answer later on anyway. So, we'll move on, shall we? Yes, please. Let's, let's so this one it. is more directed at me. Um, it's from Carl from the Outsider's Edge. You can follow Carl on at Outsider Kervin. He asks, I want to know how resident Bray Wyatt fan Ricky would book his return. Hmm. Right, my two favourite guys in the rest, and well, probably not even two. I would say, without a doubt, my favourite guy is Bray. I feel like you know that. Um, how would I book him? Well, I think he's probably going to come back now, Andre the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, which would be kind of disappointment. <laughs> yes. Um, right. So here we go. Right now. People need to understand this is just me and my Bray fandom here. I am not thinking about anyone else. So some other people are going to get caught up and people won't like it. But you need to understand I am booking strictly just Bray. I don't care about these other characters in the plot. Some people might not like this. I would have Daniel Bryan take on Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. I would have Daniel Bryan retain with the help of Eric Rowan and a returning Luke Harper. I would then have, like, could be like a 
six-man tag match or whatever, like a mini-feud with those two, three, two teams for a couple of months. <coughs> um, or you could ultimately have Kofi winning the title like the following month, Daniel Bryan snaps and turns on Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, thus leading to a returning Bray Wyatt coming home and reuniting the family, taking on Daniel Bryan, and then I would ultimately transition Bray towards the title to then put the strap on him. Now, if you don't want to go down Daniel Bryan, you could always... Sorry, if you don't want to do Kofi winning it, you could go six-man tag, and then Daniel Bryan is looking for challengers and it's Bray and it could be Bray that challenges him and he gets help from Ruben and Harper to win the title and they reunite the Wyatt family and I know like bringing teams back together um, everyone's cup of tea and I know for the most part it's it's uh, for a lot of the time it's kind of underwhelming and disappointing but when Bray Wyatt first came on the scene um the promos and everything he was cutting were just ridiculous. I still believe he's one of the best talkers in the company. But I feel like at some point you have to walk the walk instead of just talking and talk. And for a long time, he never got big time uh, wins and feuds. Um, I will take you back to two points where I feel like a lot of people are still on the Bray bandwagon when he won the title leading up to, what was it, 2017? Uh, the, chamber, yeah. Yeah, I've, like the vast majority of pop, pop, uh, people popped and they were so happy because it just didn't feel like they were ever going to do it. And go back to was it last year's Andre the Giant Battle Royal with Matt Hardy win that Bray returned and helped him win it, and you heard the pop as Bray appeared again. Just he was only off telly for a couple of weeks. Um, I think. This is where it kind, I'm kind of conflicted in a sense because I know a lot of people talk about characters and etc etc, but I would take I've long said I would take like the blandest possible character, but if he or she has got wrestling skill that's incomparable, then I I would rather watch that person all day long rather than say someone with a character and persona like Bill between Dream for instance. But Dream has got the unique thing where he's got the great character with the wrestling skills, but I'm just talking about strictly character-wise. Um, you know, give me someone like a Chris Benoit over the most charismatic person and character you've seen. Um, so that's where I'm kind of conflicted, but when it comes uh-huh. to Bray, I feel like Bray's character and mic work has always been great, and I think his in-ring ability is... It's, I'm not going to blow smoke up the ass or anything like that, but I think his in-ring work is is solid. It's not oh, I up and on, but it's not at the bottom of the ladder. He's just, just I think he's capable of putting on fine matches. I think he's capable of putting on a few kind of wow, they're really good kind of matches. Um, you know, but he's never ever going to be talked about as someone who's carrying the company or the best in the company or the best in the world, etc. But like for me personally, I says I've booked it from a Bray fandom. I would love to see him come back and come back and like immediately shooting up the ladder. 
first of all, I think Bray Wyatt is a good wrestler. His um, very quick reflexes that he has in comparison to his size sets him apart from the rest, I think. so. And his moveset matches his size and his sort of stocky, trunky build. His finisher is effective. It, like, it looks it looks like a sword one, basically. <laughs> the, your first scenario, I think that might be the best booking I've heard for Bray Wyatt coming back, to be honest with you. I don't like to agree with you too often, as you know. But I did enjoy that. And it's a complete role reversal where you've got Brian, who has Harper and Rowan as his henchman, and Bray Wyatt is the outsider, and then he's coming back in to win them back over, basically. It's, a com- it's completely different from what happened with Brian and the Wyatts back in 2014. Excellent. Ten points. And, and, and like we say, is I think it's nice to kind of see just having like little moments, little callbacks to things that have happened in the past, and this is, like you say, just roles reversed. Um, like I say, I, just, I, I feel like he will come back for the Battle Royal, and I guess the only thing that might soften a blow is if he wins it, but that doesn't really mean anything. So I don't know. I'd like to see him really pushed up, and I think the only place he can possibly be pushed up the ladder in the upper card and towards the title scene is on SmackDown. Uh huh. Yep, I'm all for it. I think that's a bit. I mean, you don't want someone of his his um, aura, his presence, to just meander in the mid card again or the undercard because we know for a fact that that just doesn't suit him no and it's it was similar to like for instance similar to like um, Small Joe where he comes out and cuts these promos and just kind of destroys everyone on the mic and then he loses a match and it's like at some, t- at some point you're going to have to follow through with these threats and promises uh-huh. it's all empty empty promises there's no substance there it's just but now finally he's got the US title and, he, and now you're like right now the, the mic work is a reflection of who he is in the ring and he's a killer again it's like we all like your hardcore fans have always loved Smojo but like you kind of it does tie in hand in hand if someone's continuing losing at the end of the day it's just like well why am I going to listen to what you're saying now Mm-hmm. Shall we move on? Yes. Right, so this one is for you. Oh, interesting. From the boss, our boss, the head honcho of the Social Suplex Network, Mr. Jeremy Donovan. Right. You, you can follow Jeremy at Jeremy L. Donovan. He's also one half of J&J Security, who are keeping it strong style. <laughs> so this one is two for 205 Clive. I mean, I could take offence to this, Jeremy, but I won't, right? I'll let you away with it. <laughs> Do you think Nice will win the purple strap at WrestleMania? And just to, as a follow-up, um, we had Muzza underscore 44, and it's at Murraybone2000, who... Actually, shows quite a lot of the podcasts on the network love, and the fact is, he's also a fellow a fellow Scott. So, if our followers and listeners just could follow him as well, please. Um, he also followed up saying, "I want him to win it so badly, but don't see it." Well, first of all, Cedric Alexander, Tony Nice, the tournament final last night on Two O Five Live, excellent match. Um, Tony Nice, I was actually saying to Jeremy Donovan when I was back and forth about getting the 205 Live column published and we were talking about Nice and I said 
it's, it's obviously early days, but he's becoming a front runner for the Cruiserweight of the Year of 2019. Had an unbelievable match against Noam Dar in a no DQ or a full. I can't remember exactly what the stipulation, no DQ, a hardcore match basically. And uh, he destroyed Noam Dar and he had a good showing throughout the tournament and then he finished it off with a really good win over Alexander who has been protected basically. His finishing moves been protected, he's been kicking out of top rope half and half suplexes, kicks out of everyone's finisher so when Tony Nice kicked out of the lumbar check... I did. I was overjoyed to see that happen. It was a taste of his own medicine, um, and for Nice to get the get the rub ahead of Alexander, I'm happy that they're not just sticking with the same guy when it comes to WrestleMania season. And Cedric, no offense to him, but you've got a small roster there. Why don't you make good use of them? So to see Nice and the story that he has had leading up to WrestleMania uh, over the over the moon that Nice is going to. Challenge Murphy, who turned on him last night as well. They battered each other. They will batter each other. It's going to be an excellent match. Hopefully, they'll get a good bit of time on the pre-show. If it is the pre-show, <sighs> will he win? Now, Murphy has beaten almost everyone who is a credible threat on Two O Five Live. He's mowed through a lot of guys: Tazawa, Itami, Kalisto, Ali, Alexander. So before you reveal your answer, isn't what you've just said an indication that Murphy's going to lose the title then? I think so. Yeah, that is my answer, that Nice will win. Because Murphy and Nice have been quote-unquote training partners for the last few months. Nice has always had Murphy's back when he won the title to help defend the title. Rubbed salt in Cedric's wounds right after Cedric lost. They've always had each other's back. Last night, Murphy came out and held Nice's arm aloft, paraded him around the ring, and then I turned him round and hit him with a sort of V-trigger. So, Nice has basically become, by default, a babyface. And I think it just it's a good story where the guy who's been betrayed... Is he going to get his own back, get some revenge on Murphy? So I'm going to lock it in right now that Tony Nice will walk away from WrestleMania as your new cruiserweight champion. I agree. I agree. Which is great for uh, him because he's been on the sidelines for a long time, and it's they've they've really really missed a a relatable face since Ali left. Whether at Nice is relatable is another debate for another day, but a really credible baby face is something they've been lacking for a while now yeah and I, I would agree just purely because like we said what then would be next for Buddy Murphy if he beats you another um, challenger a credible challenger so at least if Tony Nice wins it you could always run the rematch but then you've got other feuds that you can lead into there and then who knows they might decide I hate to say move up but they could always move Buddy Murphy over to Smackdown as well mm-hmm he so could, he that could, could remain an option. He could be the one that beats Lesnar. <laughs> uh, right, shall we move on? Yep, and it's okay, you can say move up. I know technically they are main roster, so it's a side move, but let's be I honest. Know, let's be honest yeah. here. So the next question, it's two questions submitted in one tweet um, from an extremely good friend and follower and listener, Mags. 
Darren, as we know. So f- please follow him, and it's at D J. So it's D E J Kirk B. Um, does so much for us. Constantly retweeting and liking our stuff, listening to the podcast, always putting us over. Um, and I'll just do it right now since we're talking about him. Listen to his podcast as well, and it's Why We Watch Pod. Um, it's good stuff. It really has. He's a good guy. Um, so this one is for you. For Clive, in your time watching 205 Live, what's the very best match that's been on the show? Without hesitation, Alexander... Eh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong. Uh, Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy in a... Oh, what was the actual... I keep calling it a stairs match. But it wasn't a stairs match. It was like a no-holds-barred match. No disqualification. Five months ago, wasn't it? Five, five, six months. Probably the so summer maybe, time. Maybe longer. Maybe longer. That was like that, that. I was going to say that exact same match. Uh-huh. The innovation with which they incorporated the stairs into that match—I've never seen anything like that before. Because you've seen stairs matches between the likes of Eric Rowan and the Big Show, and it was pretty brutal to watch. But these were used as launching pads instead and also elevated height with which to give more impactful DDTs and the such so just rewatchability. it's just Ali at his best and Buddy Murphy at his best top notch performance from both guys who had had not a, a rivalry as such it was just more of a, a competition with each other to see who is the best it wasn't one of Ali's more personal feuds it was just I want to beat you and um it capitalised in a fantastic match. This wasn't he, like he. This was quite early on in his two or five time as well, wasn't it? Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I would say it was. It was still when Alexander was the champion. I'm thinking late spring. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I would definitely agree. Um, and feel free to chime on this one. So the second question is: He says it for me. Who is the most underappreciated talent on the NXT roster? You want to go first? I mean, I've said some negative things about him, but Cassius Ono is right up there. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. But, so I don't know if right, so it could be underappreciated, but I'm going to just change it, sorry, so I hope, I hope Dan doesn't mind. I would say underutilizer or not used well enough or correctly, and it's Candice. Great answer. It really is. Like, I understand her being involved in the Gargano and, and Champa thing. And her being involved in certain bits, especially just a few months back, a couple of months back, where they were kind of looking at one another on top of the stage and she comes running out like, no, no, you're not doing this, move, move. It kind of dragged them off stage as the show ended. But as a singles person, like, she's awesome. I know. If you just utilise her properly, or just let her be her and do her and just put her in singles matches and, and showcase her she would without a doubt be one of your strongest women for over a year now she has been used in NXT not as Candice LeRae a viable as Johnny's wife uh-huh, she's been brought in as Mrs Gargano and, and that's a shame because she's so talented and we know Kyle Kyle really loves her as well um, so that would be my pick without a doubt and the other one I suppose would be Keith Lee as well Came in with a lot of fanfare and, and not really done too much. Um, 
but yeah, Candice, without a doubt, I think is at the very, very top of that list. Uh-huh. For each each side, I agree with Candice. I can't think of a better answer than that. As for Keith Lee, it has been strange how little he's been featured, but that's what happens when you've got Gargano and Champa, Undisputed Era, Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black. You have got not just a a, a, a top heavy main event upper mid card scene. You've got an excellent main event upper mid card scene. So it's hard for someone like Keith Lee to break through. However, the match, if this is, oh, I just remembered this week's Keith Lee versus Dijak too. <laughs> I suppose, and Keith Lee's favourite might come now is that Black's no longer there and Ricochet and Champa's out for, unfortunately, out for we don't know how long. So there's a couple of spots opening up. Yeah. So now might be the time to kind of start pushing him and showcasing him. Yep. I think if the rumours are to be believed, or just the way it's been leading, that we're going to get Dijakovic versus Keith Lee at TakeOver, then that'll be a match that will go over very well with a, an NXT um, market crowd. Because that match that they had a few weeks ago, it was short, it was silly, let's be honest, it was over the top, but it was fantastic, and I loved every second of it, and I've been jokingly putting Dijakovic over every second I get, but it just appeals to me for some reason. He cheese pours from his pores, but it's, it's fantastic. I love it, though. I'm totally um, 100% behind Big Dijak, so hopefully Keith Lee Keith Lee might go over in that feud, and I think we'll start to see Keith Lee have a, a very good 2019 hero in. Yeah, yeah. I do agree. Do agree completely. Um, so we'll move on. Yep. So the next question. There's one of these questions I really like, so but we'll, we'll go. It says we're going to go in order. So here we go. And this comes from again, someone on the network, uh, one half of <laughs> One Nation Radio, and that is Rich Latter. And you can follow Rich at Rich Latter Thirty Two. And I'll say this, Rich, as soon as I saw this tweet and liked it, I messaged Clive on WhatsApp um, saying I absolutely love this question that you've asked. Uh, I really like it, actually. Um, Do you guys think Ronda should have been a heel for a longer period of time? You want to to go first? I gave this a lot of thought, Rich, and my answer is I think she turned heel at the perfect time because personally... Becky has been the heel throughout since the start of SummerSlam and personally, just from a, a personal opinion and viewpoint the the way she bullies people on Twitter, the content of her promos, how she's always the one who beats down others from behind and all that stuff Becky has been the heel it's only recently where I've started to actually feel sorry for her with the whole carry on with the McMahons when Rhonda pummeled her in the stomach a couple of weeks ago You've got Charlotte, who, despite being innocent in all of this up, up until recently, again, fans were always had already made their mind up on them as the heel. So Ronda, she's tried her best throughout the last year. It's coming up for a year now, actually, where she's pant- she said it herself. Whether we want to like, whether we like what she's saying or not, she did pander to the crowd at Vince's behest, probably. 
she tried to incorporate herself into the, the sports entertainment world, but she wasn't having it, and she snapped. So I think a few weeks up leading up to WrestleMania, I think it was perfect timing, to be honest with you. So, Richie's question, do you think guy? Do you guys think Ronda should have been a heel for a longer period of time? My answer is yes. Um, so, if you don't mind, I'll just start at the beginning of our time. I'm not going to change anything. I'm not going to change how she entered and what feuds, etc. she's been in. I- I'll tell you when you could have turned her. Okay. Uh, not a chance in hell was she ever going to come in as a heel and be a heel in that quote-unquote honeymoon period, that first sort of six months or so. Um... Partly because A, she's an absolute massive superstar and it was such a huge thing for her coming into WWE. So you wanted to capitalise on that. It was a feel-good thing. Look at that, she's over. And and I guess at the same time, you kind of wanted to protect her because if you suddenly turn her heel, people are really going to start nitpicking at her. But I feel like if she was was a face, a lot of people are still like, like, well, she's very green, but she's learning and look how much she's actually improving. But I think if she was a heel, a lot of people would have been like, no, she's, she isn't progressing. Except, you know, I think it's just that, that it's just that mentality you've got in your head that, oh, well, it's a baby face. And, and you kind of try to relate in a sense that, well, she's trying to get better as opposed to the, if she'd come in straight away as a heel, a lot of people would have just been like, no, we don't like her. Um, so you, you move, move on to, the first significant kind of op- uh, note was the Nia Jax match. I wouldn't have turned her there. When she beat Alexa Bliss, first time for a title, for, for winning the title the first time, first and only time, sorry. I felt at that point you could have started, and maybe they did, but she was mouthing off a lot in that match. And I felt like there's that arrogant, cocky, heelish side starting to come out. And I felt post um, <clears throat> Evolution, her match against Nikki Bella, I felt you could have now started to gear her towards SummerSlam as being a heel. Um, as someone who's watched every one of her UFC fights, I watched a, an absolute bucket load of her interviews, saw her behaviour in weigh-ins post-match, She's just she was she is just made to be a heel, a wrestling heel. Because that's just kinda of how she comes across in real life. And I know she said some not nice things about certain communities and certain people. Um I'm not here to talk about who she is as a in that in that sense, who she is as a person, but just who she came across what she came across like in interviews and in the build up to fights. She came across as not a very likable person. Oh, very arrogant, um, arrogant and confident, and I felt you could have done, you could have brought that out of her, especially the arrogance. A lot, you could have brought it out and really turned it into a real arrogant, dominant type of heel. Um, so yeah, I I think you could have turned her just after Evolution and a build up to Survivor Series, um, and then you could have, you would have had like a real dominant heel, Ronda going into the Royal Rumble against the babyface Charlotte. Um, and then you wouldn't have seen Ronda trying to extend her hand, etc. But I understand that like it's all kind of played a part all of that into her now turning heel and not caring about the fans and the company and Tony company line, etc. But 
she always has been a heel, like who she was in the UFC, and that's just who she is. So let's say I wouldn't have turned her heel within the first six months, but let's say post evolution, there was an opportunity you could have done it, um, and you wouldn't have turned her before evolution would have made sense because the biggest female wrestler in the world. You know, and she was headlining that, so you kind of wanted to garner a lot of like positive notes and positive vibes, etc. So, I felt you could have done that a couple of months sooner. Partly because just this is who she is, and if anyone yep. has watched her time in the UFC and MMA, would have seen it and were like, she is just, she's just that comes across as a dick. Yeah, <laughs> you've got a good good argument there. I'm still of the mind that it's come at the right time personally, but. It was going to happen eventually, I think. You could see she was getting frustrated. Definitely, definitely. Let's say that. <coughs> and to which again, like, I was, as soon as I saw that question, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a real good question. We've got a couple, we've got a, we've got a couple more really, really good questions. Um, so, next up. <laughs> Personal friend of ours. Been on a show before. Barry. You can follow follow Barry at BazD86. And it's funny, me and Barry were actually talking about this on Monday at football. Um, so here we go. May have, may have been mentioned before on the show, but not entirely sure. Is there a need for a March pay-per-view? The build to Mania seems rushed with the inclusion of this. Oh. That's a tough one. I personally could do without it. See, this Fastlane pay-per-view was segment-heavy. There were a lot of segments in it, backstage skits and talking points and stuff. So it was or a SmackDown with more wrestling than normal. Mm-hmm. All the swears that took place, all the beatdowns of post-match, it, it did seem like a TV thing. So I do... I don't know, I really don't know how to answer that because... I, I don't agree that it's been rushed. I don't think there's been much build to anything apart from the main events. Isn't that a bit of an issue, though? That we're two weeks out and we don't really know the entire card yet. Well, we know the majority of it. Um, maybe maybe I treat this too much like a boxing and UFC kind of card where we know the card. And I'm not saying we should know the card months and months in advance. But, you know, maybe maybe three, four weeks we should kind of know the exact card um, I think, like you said if there was a lot of segments that you could have just done on Raw um, mm-hmm. and you didn't need to have, what was it, um, Chamber wasn't a Chamber like two weeks after the Royal Rumble I think so, two or three you, could have, you know, you could have just put that out another couple of weeks and then you would have had like four weeks in between the Rumble between the Rumble and that pay-per-view and then another four or five weeks between that so yeah I would I like I say sometimes less is more I've said that quite a lot of times on this podcast uh, like, don't get me wrong Fastlane was a good pay-per-view Fastlane it served its purpose for several things it helped build up towards this towards Wrestlemania in, in the matches and the card and I know it sound, kind of sounds like I'm being um, contradict myself a little bit but I feel like a number of things you could have done on a Raw or a Smackdown. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It was an extra four hours of content 
leading up to WrestleMania. And what's I know we're kind of veering away from the question, but what's what struck me is a lot of the matches that took place at Fastlane. So far, these guys don't have a match at WrestleMania. The Raw Tag, the Usos. Uh, I mean, how many? No mid card title currently has a match at WrestleMania. Asuka will find out next week with only two episodes of SmackDown to go who her WrestleMania opponent will be. But uh, is Joe versus Ray announced? Yes. Ray right. with his um, <laughs> gargantuan yes. son. Oof. This has to be addressed. We can't We can't just um, ignore That's this. That's just terrifying because I remember when he was in the story with Eddie and stuff. It was just... These towels over Ray. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I do you not see before we go on, do you not think Dominic Mysterio sounds like a very intriguing magician? <laughs> go on. Uh, no, that's not the joke, it's just right. it's, uh, coming to Las Vegas uh, this this fall, Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> he could hide his dad up his sleeve or in his top hat. <laughs> Uh, so, right, I need to answer the question. Is there a need for a March pay-per-view? I'm going to say no, but what there is a need for is more direction for the undercard because it seemed like there was nothing really happened in the undercard of Fastlane. People uh, looked strong after they were in, after they got defeated. It was a strange one, Fastlane. Based off what we've seen in the last couple of years, I'll say no. Yeah. But at the I same time, they could have done better in the TV leading up to it, especially in the I think, raw side. I think that's always going to be a great for people. Like I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to get three hours where everyone's totally satisfied because we're all like different things, and it could always be better. And we're always going to pick at stuff. So yeah, the TV can always be better. We get that, and let's be honest, man. I I, I don't sit through three hours of raw anyway, so you know. But like I say, I would. I'm more on the side that I would rather just have that one pay-per-view in between it. Mm-hmm. But I guess then how do you come up with like six weeks of quality TV time building these matches? But I mean, you could you could find a way. Like you know what? I, do you know what I miss and I don't ever seem to do? Can't remember the last time I've done it. Just running little bags like pre-recorded interviews or like little vignettes and how they're in their training and stuff like that. Almost like a UFC and a boxing build to it. I, I, I like when they used to do that stuff. That's what I, I think. Have... That's what I think the Raw Triple Threat women could have benefited from for the last mm-hmm. few weeks. These um, pre-recorded interviews have one or two. Have one of Ronda, Ronda, Ronda on Monday. One of Becky on Tuesday and one of Charlotte the next week. Just that's a because what they did on Monday, what they did on Tuesday this week with the Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens just said, "Right, fight," and that's it. That is all that happened. That story was not advanced in any way. And what I would, what I would rather see if they do something like that is rather than sitting down in the backstage area, like you know, it'd be fucking awesome. Like you don't even need to go to Ireland. You don't even need to go to California. Like, if you just do it somewhere out in the open and you have Becky or Ronda or Charlotte walking about, talking about, you know, how they were grew up and how this moment, blah, blah, blah. You know, just just out outside, quote-unquote, in their hometowns or whatever they want, like, walking about and talking about how 
everything's lead and everything's happened in her life has led up to this moment, etc. Rather than just just stand on sitting down, sit down backstage interview. Mm-hmm. Just something a little different. I feel like, like you know, I would love to see stuff like that again. They've relied too heavily. I know they're trying to build these, and fair play to them. There's going to be big time matches, headliners, and they deserve it. But they've relied too heavily on them all for segments when a lot of people don't even have matches made up yet and they are champions of their division. Like I said, man, less is more sometimes. Well, there's roasters, there's rosters. <laughs> roasters? <laughs> they are roasters. Aye, <laughs> uh, there are a shower of roasters, the lot of them. The the roster is bloated on both sides. Um, oh, the beautiful thing is that so many people are not going to get that the roaster comment. It will probably just be Barry that gets it, so just as well, it's his question. <laughs> no, um, Murray, Murray Bone will get it as well. Mm-hmm. There is just yeah, Darren too, might actually get it, actually. Too many wrestlers too much content and they're trying to squeeze it into even an 8 hour a rumoured 8 hour WrestleMania they could do it there's too many yeah. sack the lot of them <laughs> moving on um here we go right <laughs> don't like being putting on the spot with this but here you go this is, I, I think I'll give you this one the four is yours for this one okay you you and this guy just kind of have the same kind of personality and character, <laughs> I think. <laughs> what? So, from Imp, um, and you can follow him at, at the damn implica- implicat. So, here we go. Oh, oh. I've seen this one, <laughs> and I, it was a tough one. <laughs> the other week, I don't. Nisi's finisher, Tony Knees. So, my finish. So my question is, what's the best pun for a finisher playing off the wrestler's name? Funnily enough, this was one of the hardest questions when I was, browsing, when I was browsing through it. Um, but I have found a, f- a few. Jinder Mahal's could be a colossal failure in terms of his championship run. Carl's not going to be happy. Ah, oh, well. Sorry, I'm sorry, not sorry, Carl. Carl doesn't listen to us. <laughs> good. <laughs> I don't know why I said good. Um, it's really... I had to actually go through the, the annals of history and found a couple of other ones from the past. So you had Hardcore Holly. His finishing move was called the Holy Coast. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what was the other one? I had it. Bo, Bo Dallas, ST Bo. Oh my god. <laughs> See, I'm not sure if, if Imp's asking what is a new one or what have been the best ones over the years. What's the best pun for um, a bit of both? If we can bit think of, of any. The only one, Go ahead. The only new one I can think of is the Colossal Failure. Um. Kurt Hawkins is called the Heatstroke, apparently. <laughs> Horn, uh, horns, but, but. Hornswoggles is a tadpole splash. I know that. Shall we move on and we can have a think and if you, something uh, cops on your head you can shout it out at the end. I feel as if I've let him down. You have let him down because the guy supports you quite a lot. I know. He, he, put, he has me on his show, he puts me over. 
know. And I've just failed, but Colasso failure. You're a failure. <laughs> right, so we we've actually only got about three or four left. Let me see. Now we've got a five, one, two. Let me see. Yeah, here you go. I'll give. I'll can you can take. You can you can start on this because I'm going to be kind of biased. Okay, what's the question? So this was from Rob in our WhatsApp group. Discuss Beth Phoenix and if she's enough of a legend to be inserted into a WrestleMania match straight away. Oh, um, in the grand scheme of things, no, she's not enough of a legend. She was around in a time where there weren't many. I know you sort of shook your head there, but she's not. She's not a Tristratus or a Lita. Um, I wouldn't even say she's a Molly Holly. She was around at a time where there wasn't much in the way of talent, like truly good talent in the women's division. So because of that, I think that's because maybe they're relying on her to come in for this because they want some sort of legend on the show to help bolster the tag division, women's tag scene, which is not needed, by the way, but that's another argument. Um, Because they haven't made many women legends. Around the time where, in the ruthless aggression, where you had Batista, Cena, all these guys who became megastars, even the Bellas, they've been back and forth Nobody has been given, there haven't been many women who've been given that same superstardom out with the company to become a legend. So, is she enough of a legend? No, but that's not her fault. I say she is. Uh, I do agree she's not Trish Status and Leah. Um... She's in that tier uh, uh, below it. Whether you want to put her at the top of that tier below it or somewhere in the middle. I, I think if she was wrestling nowadays, I think she would stand out every bit as much as every other top-notch uh, female superstar wrestler. Um, she had, she did have people she could, she could go with, but I think she did stand out. Was it, does she stand out because she was that much better or because a lot of the women weren't that great at that point? Maybe a bit of both. Um, no, I think... Now... Yeah, there's different scales within, like, the legend scale. Just like in the Hall of Fame, you get... There's different... There's, there's levels within the Hall of Fame as well. Just, you know, just... Um, I think she is a legend... I think she she would still stand out nowadays. And yeah, but like I said, but she isn't the upper tier though. She isn't like you say where Trish and Lee are. She probably never will be like she obviously isn't now, never will be. But I, I think she's she was extremely I think she was really good in the ring. And I think she doesn't get the credit she deserves, probably because there just weren't just enough people for her to really to have these great matches with. Okay. I think... No, I'm not going to say it because that's that's not quite true and it's too much praise. Okay, then. 
No, I was going to say, you know how every, a lot of people say Owen Hart was way before it was way before his time. Uh-huh. I was going to say Beth Phoenix is similar, but she's she's not. That's too that's too too high a praise. Um, I've, like I said, I think she was just she was just in the wrong era. Like yeah. she, there was, there was, just, there was. She had a couple of people, but just not enough. And I think that's what's probably, probably holding her back in terms of the stature and legendary status that she should, she should be getting or could have gotten. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I said, I think she still is. I think, she, I think what we saw at the Royal Rumble last year. You know, happy to see her back. And like I said, I'm a massive Beth Phoenix mark. So yeah, man, I think she is. So is Edge. Yep, yep. I don't know who loves Edge more, you or her. Um, probably you. Probably Zack Ryder. <laughs> and his wonderful jaw. Oh, that jaw should be stricken from the record books. Right. That should be. There's the... a specific question here that I'm keeping for the very end because I. I want to end it on a real good note and it's kind of close to home, right? So I'm going to ask this question. Rance asked this. And you can follow Rance at It's Ray Cash. Ray as in Mysterio and Cash as in Dollars. Oh. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he asked us on WhatsApp, who had the better underdog babyface run to WrestleMania, Kofi or Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30? Hmm... So, let's just, like we say, Kofi's going to WrestleMania. Right? I think we all believe that. But even, let's just say, if miraculously, if somehow he does it. But based on this question, we will just assume he goes to WrestleMania and he goes over and wins the title. It's still Daniel Bryan for me. Yeah. Uh, isn't it ironic that it's against Daniel Bryan? Yes. Yes. Um, and the reason why I say it's Daniel Bryan at one point like for instance the Daniel Bryan thing lasted for about nine months yep, like that's, about that, that long maybe maybe a little bit longer actually I'm just trying to think if you want yeah from about June-ish the previous year to April the following year where it really just kind of went in overdrive um, and there was one point it was just you legitimately thought he isn't actually going to be in the main event at WrestleMania. When Batista won the Royal Rumble, you were like, he's not going to be in it. And then the week's building, and before like it went in overdrive, before it was Occupy Raw, before all of this, you just felt he's not going to be in the main event. And you were kind of scratching your head. Um, I think the the crowd, I, I don't want to say they were much more behind Daniel Bryan than they are, Kofi. <coughs> But Daniel Bryan, and it, you want to say what you want, it was a yes chant, but that went mainstream as well. Uh-huh. Um, it's Daniel Bryan, for me, it is Daniel Bryan. Uh, the Kofi thing has just been, that gauntlet match, it, kind of, it just kind of reminded everyone as the, well. Like the first one? Before. Yep. It was just like, oh, guys, I'm still one of the best performers in the company, you know, just, just because I've been in, just because I've been and a tag team or whatever for the last few years doesn't mean I'm not um, and it was just a, a timely reminder um, Daniel Bryan won like I said because I felt it had it was a more it was a longer story over a longer period of time 
there was a genuine real high buzz and all of a sudden we felt so low because we didn't think it was going to be in the women event and actually I think it, I think Daniel Bryan himself says that he was never actually going to be in the main event at WrestleMania until the fans kind of change Vince's mind and who knows Daniel Bryan might be working us by saying that but let's just assume that wasn't the case let's just assume it was all pre-planned and like I said I know that's that's a dangerous game to play but that's, that story was beautiful if you just take out what you think you know or what you've been told to believe um, but yeah no for me um, Daniel Bryan yeah, just just through time alone, um, Kofi's Kofi's version of the Yes movement has been a couple of months in comparison, and it has been excellent. It's been really good to see. I really do hope that he does win. I hope that he actually gets the match. That was a re- that was just one one hurdle too many for me this week that I wasn't really a fan of. Um, but Daniel Bryan's all round, I think, was just. Although the push might not have been organic behind the scenes, it was presented as such on the screen, and they done that. Yeah. They did that over nine long months, so that yeah, wins it for it me. Was, and I think another thing why I say Daniel Bryan is because that's the example, or that's what I told you about to get you back into wrestling as well. Yep. And I feel like I don't think I could do that to sway someone back in to wrestling using a Kofi story I think the Daniel Bryan one had more more weight to it and more substance and more oh really like it's more intrigue to it mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I absolutely love Kofi I hope he does get the match at Wrestlemania but it would be amazing to see him go over but I would say Daniel Bryan is, is the one for me um, right, so moving on and again that was from Rance so we've got one we have three left so since we've just spoken about Kofi, I'll just tie this one into it. This one comes from at TLC Sports page. How much can one superstar take before he decides to fight back? Should the New Day just start taking everybody out on Raw and SmackDown Live? Is it time for Vince McMahon to step aside and retire to Florida? <laughs> that, that question is steeped both in kayfabe and out with it. Um, will we, will we go with the first question? Do you think the New Day are going to do their own version of Occupy Smackdown? Um, I don't know. Something's got to happen next week. It must. You would imagine so. Um, should they? I mean, yeah, it could be kind of funny to see them running around just taking everyone out and telling Vince that we're basically going to jeopardise the entire card if we don't put him on. Um, Do you know what would be cool to see? If they did that on Raw, mm-hmm. say that Vince was in a segment and he was bigging up something really big, <laughs> uh, and New Day came up and said, no, not having it. You've This has gone on for far too long. It's time to put me in the, main, the match with Daniel Bryan. So I think, I think extreme measures have to be taken by the New Day. And maybe there will be. Maybe there will. I think this coming week is where we need to get the answer now. It better be, because... You know, I, just... I think, like I said, we all kind of know it's going to be Daniel Bryan versus Kofi. But we, we need the answers now, because we've got two more Smackdowns left before WrestleMania. Yeah. 
That's you need that final face-off as well. Yes, you need that. Aye, the, the better. As as for the, is it time for Vincent Man to step aside and retire to Florida? I'm guessing it's a real question. <laughs> it's just it's because the other parts are kayfabe, but then this one is. Is it time for Vince to bugger off? What do you think? In, 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 no, in, in what? Hand the reins to Triple H. Here you go. You know you were in charge of one hour, but now he's took on two or five. So you have two hours a week, which is easy enough, right? Well, here you go. We're going to dump another five hours on top of you. Nah, I think Vince is just. I think I think he's actually having fun at our expense. And as much as we want to criticise him, like we say, you know, there's plenty of things that are going on right now that he's clearly got his hands in the pie. So. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't know. Whatever, no. Moving on. Yes. Right, so... I'm going to let you take the floor with this one now. There's two questions left. Right. And this comes from... <laughs> a really good follower... That is at calf and that is C A T H E underscore sixty seven. Um she's a follower a big listener as well. Um she asked Should Baron Corbin be the one facing Kurt Angle for his retirement match? Now, I've been looking forward to this question because I have some thoughts to divulge with our listeners and their friend Kathy sixty seven, Ricky. <laughs> You've got a wrestler who, and it pains me, after all this time, it pains my very heart that he's just, he's not as engaging as he once was, he's less intense than he once was, he's wrestling as reliant on just a couple of moves, or sorry, a couple of signature moves, he looks cumbersome, he looks awkward, he's basically a parody of himself now, and he's facing Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. Right, there's an argument. Right, I did that intentionally. That was a real lead up for you. It, there's been a lot of a lot of vitriol in relation to this announcement. My vitriol doesn't land at the fact that Baron Corbin's the one that's been given the match. My annoyance is that they're having the match in the first place. And bear in mind, bear in mind, listeners, the credits of this program that we do for you has Kurt Angle's first world title win a soundbite from that that's how much we are Kurt Angle marks and you've got an argument to be made for those those legends going out the door to put over a young future star one he's still a part timer involved and I've made my feelings very clear about part timers being involved in Wrestlemania two I wouldn't say Kurt needs this match Kurt doesn't need to have this farewell match I can't I can't watch him anymore without thinking he's one bump, one wrong move away from complete paralysis. He's just very wooden and laboured, as you say. He's as stiff as a you-know-what in the ring. Personally, this is just a personal feeling. I don't think Corbin is a star that you build the future of the company around. And for these reasons, this match, it doesn't do a thing for me. It'll be awkward. It'll be watched through fingers. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised in the least if Corbin was made to look like a complete fool with no credibility going forward, say, two or three rows, two or three weeks of TV down the line. 
I don't think the rub will mean anything if he's just going to squander in mid-card purgatory for eternity. It's a needless match. I've also seen a lot of people say, I think it was the chair shot guy, saying that the story makes complete sense because they've been feuding for months. But does it? Does it make sense? Because the last I remembered when Kurt was fired from being the GM and Raw, I think it was August, he was fired and Baron Corbin took over. He became the interim GM. Kurt Angle got his revenge against Baron Corbin when he was dressed up as a conquistador in the lead-up to Crown Jewel, the World Cup qualifier Battle Royal. Kurt Angle got his revenge then um, in Baron Corbin's match with Braun. Braun Strowman at TLC, Baron Corbin was making an escape, Kurt Angle cornered him, got his revenge then as well. They didn't even lock horns at the Royal Rumble, they had nothing to do with each other at the Royal Rumble. As far as I'm aware, Kurt Angle was taken out by Nakamura before Corbin was even in the match. And since then, Corbin has been feuding on and off with Braun Strowman and The Shield. Their story finished a long time ago. This story was reignited purely to have a retirement match for Kurt Angle, and it's not not required, so it doesn't. That's all I've got to say. Um, it will not be banned, Corbin versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. It will be Johnny Boots and Tights versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. I don't think we're going to get an announcement for Cena. I think what will probably happen is Corbin will come out, Kurt will come out. I don't know if we'll get a quick squash match and then Corbin will attack, but I think more so Corbin might get on the mic, start running his mouth, Cena's music hits, Cena comes down, cuts a promo, hits an AA, angle, hits the angle slam, maybe a German, puts him in an alcohol lock, throws him out of the ring. Cena then extends his hand to Angle saying I would be honoured to have the last match and that's how you do it your Kurt Angle's final match will be against John Cena whose first match was against Kurt Angle that's how I think it's going to go down as to should, should Kurt Angle have a retirement match why the hell not I know he's not the same anymore far far from it it's difficult to watch him Exactly. But One more bump and he's dead. <laughs> if he's about to take that, then so be it. Um, and I don't. You never want to see that. I don't want to see him get hurt, especially him, because we pined so much for him to come back just to hear the music one more time. Um, see that thing about yeah. John Cena, though? Baron Corbin had the Money in the Bank briefcase and he had momentum, whether we liked it or not. John Cena embarrassed him at SummerSlam. And Baron Corbin took months and months and months to gain back any inch of credibility that he once had. So he's got this credibility again where he's been chosen to fight Kurt Angle at WrestleMania and then John Cena comes and derails him again. Yeah. I feel like the better story is to to have Kurt versus Cena. Like we're, we're always talking about these wee little callbacks to previous pastimes, and and that'd be excellent. Um, like, don't get me wrong, Cena's not even my first choice anyway. Um, I would have loved to have seen Jason Jordan. It's just it's not possible, but I would have loved to have seen that. 
Um, but I think we're going to get Kurt versus John Cena. Either way, I will probably be skipping that one. And, and let me say, before anyone says anything, and if we don't say it, it does just suddenly become Corbin. And people are saying, well, it should have been Cena. Cena might not actually be available. Like We need to factor this in. Trish Stratus and Lita might have said, no, we're not coming, we're not available, we don't want to do it, we don't want the money. So we need to remember that stuff as well. But I, I, I just, I think we're going to get a Cena appearance. Oh, he can stay away. He can be a Dwayne Johnson wannabe and stay in Hollywood. Right. The final question. Are we at the final question? We're at the final question. I left this last for a specific reason. Right. This is from, again, Mazza underscore 44 at Murraybone2000. I like this question. I know you're going to like it as well. Yeah, It's close it, to home. It is. Close to Who my heart. From, who from ICW would you want to join NXT UK? You want to know my answer straight away? I think I know who you're answering. I'm your not answer. going to hesitate at all. Who? Ravy Davy. <laughs> you never even got my head. <laughs> what? Oh, what a wee Ned. I know. Was that your answer? No. Kings? <laughs> Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. There are a few. Without a doubt, the Kings of Catch. Um, and not many people might know about these folk. Um, maybe a handful of us, a handful of people who might listen. Um, certainly, I can't. I, I don't. Um, I don't anticipate any um, people outside of the UK. Um, unless you do watch ICW. Kings of Catch are, are, are excellent. We've saw them live now, I think, twice in the last few months, last sort of six months, uh-huh. eight months. Um, excellent. First match they had at um, Shogsus was, was tremendous. Every single time I've seen these guys, they just they kind of blow me away. I think there's so many people on the British scene that people may not have seen or heard of because of these quote-unquote smaller independent programs, um, promotions. But they're right at the top where they just need that broader audience and people kind of realise, oh, these guys are actually really good. And I think Joe Coffey got it. Yeah, I think it was Joe Coffey referencing But even Pete Dunne alluded to say that himself on the Asian Christian podcast that he was, he was really looking forward to the match at TakeOver with Joe Coffey because... He's worked with Joe before, he's worked with him, uh, he knows him well, and it, he gets to help showcase him and show his help, show his talents to everyone so they can all appreciate him. Mm-hmm. And I think these guys, if they get on to a bigger stage, a lot of people are going to really love them. They make no secret they are that they are young buck rip-offs. Um, they've, their finishing move is, do you know who Bill Apter is? Mm-hmm. Well, they've got they've got an after burner, which is their finishing move, just like the Meltzer driver. Um, they they do their own version of being the elite. So they've got their own sort of YouTube short show clip. They're not they're not um, they're paying tribute to the Young Bucks. I think they've actually wrestled the Young Bucks in Edinburgh for the Ring of Honor show. I'm not sure I if think, that's... I think they did. Um, so some people listening might know who the Kings of Catch are, but they're a very up and, a very promising up-and-coming tag team. 
uh, and I would add them in my list, but I have a few in my list. <laughs> uh, obviously, a lot of the guys from ICW are in NXT UK at the moment, but ones that aren't so far who I would love to see are, without a doubt, Joe Hendry. He did well for himself in TNA. He might not be there anymore, but he's still got his name out there. Uh, he has that thing that we talked about last week where he has a Scottish accent that people worldwide will be able to understand. It's that Edinburgh accent. Edinburgh, yep. Uh, he's got enough wrestling acumen. He's got enough presence. He's got enough comedy. He's got enough seriousness. He's got enough of everything that he could try his hand at anything and be comfortable in that role. Uh, I feel like I feel like he carries himself well on the mic as well. Yes, and he's although he came last, he was in the Commonwealth Games representing Scotland in the wrestling. <laughs> so okay, he was last, but uh, you could you could build a brand around him. They're doing that in ICW just now, where he's in a heel stable alongside the owner Mark Dallas. So definitely him. Oh fuck! Sorry, no. I would put Mark Dallas on NXT UK. <laughs> just, just, just because he's just a hero. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I would have Shah Samuels. Mm. He's part of the tag team kinky party with Jack Jester. Shah Samuels. He cracks me up every time. He's hilarious. He's cutting some weight just now. He's a, a big lad, but he's cutting weight. He's a a powerhouse wrestler, but he can do some lucha moves, and there'll be people familiar with him and he's worked with in Rev Pro, World of Sport um, I'm not sure what other promotions he's in but he's a very busy man he's hilarious, I think you could do wonders with him in NXT UK because the main event scene in NXT UK is great, the mid card is fun but there's there's a, a certain presence missing from it and I think Shah Samuels could fill that very well Uh He's in. I don't know the name of the stable, but he's with Zach Gibson and and James Drake. They were at the over the top wrestling this week, this weekend. Despised figures, the lot of them. So Shah Samuels could run with James Drake and Zach Gibson. And lastly, I would have a guy who's become a very firm favourite of mine, Andy Wild, who's the only way to describe his physique is he would look, he would do brilliant in the Highland Games, basically caber tossing. I think one of his moves is called the caber toss. He's a, he's a large lad, but he is a fantastic sort of Greco-Roman wrestler. Great suplexes, great um, grappling, ground grappling move. Just the kind of wrestling that you and I like, Ricky. And for someone his size to be able to do that, he stands out from the crowd in a big way. He had a match with Joe Coffey on ICW a couple of weeks ago, and it was amazing. So uh, those are my three picks alongside the Kings of Catch. You know who else? I don't know, Kaylee Ray, she just went down. Mm-hmm. Um, Viper. Yes. I would, I'd love to see her on, like, the biggest stage possible. Well, I think... I, it, I know James Boyd's a fan of hers as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, she's good. I think it's... Stay away from rumours then. Why is she signed? I, I'm not. I'm not saw anything. So we discussed this off air once we had. I know. Uh, I know. I think you once said that apparently we should advertise, or apparently was something said that she has or she is going to sign, but I don't know if it was ever, if it's been confirmed or anything. Right. Well. Well. Let's just say, let's not say any more then. 
Okay. All right. But I've kind of given the game away there. Tell me off air. Don't want to ruin it for anyone. Okay. Well, we have, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Right, so is that us? You want me to refresh the Twitter page at all? No, I've just checked. There's nothing else. That's us. Thanks very much, guys. That was uh, a right good um, selection of questions. Enjoyed answering them. Some of them were right tough ones. And I'm, I'm, I am sorry. I do apologise. Let you down in a big bad way. You did. So what's so, next? Um, that is us. We'll be moving on to the quiz unless you've got anything you want to say. No. Then let's move on to the quiz. Okay. It's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. Right, this week's quiz is my turn, and as I have sometimes struggled for themes for the quiz, oh, where's my bit of paper? I've lost it. I found it. Uh, I'm going for uh, this month in WWE history, so it's March, and I have ten questions in relation to March throughout WWF, WWE's time on the planet. Number one. On the 31st of March 1985, what event took place in Madison Square Garden? Um, Has to surely be WrestleMania? It is. I see. I know it's such a simple question, but I knew that would you would second guess yourself for that one. Uh, I'm just so used to WrestleMania being in April now. I know. I know. So am I. It's weird. Number two, on the same date, thirty first of March in two thousand three, which former world heavyweight champion made their Monday Night Raw debut? So it's the end of March 2003. Someone made their raw debut and they would go on to become a world heavyweight champion. Goldberg. Correct. Number three, March 18th, 2001. What was the name of WCW's last ever pay-per-view? It's an apt name, considering the downfall of the company. Jeez, um, I didn't watch much. Um, Do you have a single clue? Uh, Think 
You've got nothing, have you? No, I feel like it's got something to do with power or money. Since you said it's an app name, considering what's just happened to them. Right, power, money, and it rhymes with one of Rocky Balboa's opponents. Surname. Um, what rhymes with Draco? <laughs> Greed. Well done. <laughs> Number four, WCW would then have their last ever Nitro. I said that strangely. Didn't sound like me at all. Who ended WCW as the unified USA and World Heavyweight Champion in a match against Scott Steiner? Um, Sting? Incorrect. Uh, Booger T? Correct. Oh, okay. Just assumed it has to be one of the WCW, WCW guys. Yeah, Sting wrestled Ric Flair. That was the last ever WCW match. Oh, that's right, so it was. Number five. On the 7th of March, 98, or 99, I can't remember, which legend made his WWF TV debut in a segment on Sunday Night Heat? Cut. Cut Angle against for a bonus point. Oh, I can't remember. Was it um No Tiger Ali Tiger Singh. Ali Singh. Yep. Number six, what was the name of the Kayfabe destroying documentary released in March two thousand? Beyond the Map? Correct answer. Number seven. Number seven. Which former NXT champion made his official main roster debut in March in the lead up to WrestleMania 32? Say that again. Which former NXT champion mm-hmm. made his official main roster debut in March in the lead up to WrestleMania 32? In the lead up. 32, so that was what, 2016? Yep. Debut in 2016 in the lead up. Three years ago. Would you like a clue? Yeah. They wrestled in the opening match of the main card. Was it main card? Open card again? Mm. That was Roman versus Triple H here. Triple H. 2016. Is it Rancy's favourite Mexican? I don't know why I thought that. It was, a, it was a ladder match. So he must have been in... The IC one, was that? Yep. I don't know why I thought Kalisto. So that was the year Zack Ryder, wasn't it? And Kalisto was never an NXT champion. I know, I know. 
I don't know why I thought that. So that had KO, Dove, The Miz, Ambrose, I think. No. Do you give up? What kit? The actual NXT champion? Not at the time. They were once an NXT champion. Do you want a... So, it wasn't... It, right, so, no. Do you so, want a really huge clue? They wrestled at the takeover the night before. Or two nights before. And the last match. My God, Ricky. Can I put you out of your misery? Yeah. Sammy Zane. Sammy debut against Cena tore and his peck tore his peck and then and he came back came at the rumble back, like, a year later and then he made his official main roster debut oh, sake. Oh, that's, oh. that's uh, that can go to the judges that one number 8 name the 6 participants in the Fastlane 2018 6 pack challenge for the WWE title Oh my god. It was only a year ago. Has the pressure of hosting got to your cognitive function? Is this, a, this was a Smackdown pay-per-view, wasn't it? Yes. It was AJ, Cena. KO. Correct. Oh, I don't even know if I want to ask you the next few qu- couple of questions. I've got work in the morning. Dolph. Uh huh. Corbin. Is that five? That's five. Sammy. <laughs> Sammy. Number nine. Now, at the televised house show edition of Roadblock, remember Triple H and Dean? Who did the New Day defeat to retain the tag titles? Oh, man. I may as well just fucking... We, we were a massive... We were marks for this tag team. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, the Go, League O Nations. The League O Nations. The best stable that has ever oh, been. Oh, we were such marks for them. I know. Seamus515 says, I just broke kicked your ass." Oh, that group was splendid. I miss Barrett. Oh, remember the Wayne Rooney video? Oh, so funny. Right, number 10. Which wrestler 
who later became a cruiserweight, made his NXT TV debut, only to be immediately attacked by Baron Corbin. Who later became a cruiserweight. So they made their NXT TV debut, they were attacked by Corbin almost instantly, and then months later became a 205-er. That's the last question. Um... Austin Aries. Correct, well done. A double. So you did get 10 out of 10, but you required a, a lot of time. Uh, yeah. And one of them, did I not need a bit of a help for a couple of them? Uh huh. So I'll give you it anyway. Congratulations, you've won. Thanks. You've won the, the opportunity to plug the show. Thanks. So, would you like to say anything before, before we say goodbye? Uh, I'll wait till the end fantastic right well folks once again thanks for downloading and listening to us um, please feel it please check out the Social Suplex Podcast Network website we've got columns um, podcasts um, that you can download and listen to we've got Keeping It Strong style with J&J Security Jeremy and Josh we have the Omega Look podcast. We have All Things Elite. We also have One Nation Radio with Rich and James. And the newest addition to the network, uh, it's been a couple of episodes so far, um, with James Boyd. It's called NXT Then, Now, Forever. Good show. It's a real good concept. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, feel, please feel please download and listen to uh, the rest of the podcast on the network as I say um, we've got our columns um, you sub- you can subscribe to to the network where you will get these emailed to you um, I've already plugged the t-shirts and Power Slam TV um, shout out to the guys over at the edge we'll be getting them on soon um, for our quiz um, closer to the time at Wrestlemania review I'll I'll let people know what the plan is for that episode um, closer to the time um, yeah nothing else to plug um, unless you've got anything else you want to say Clive I've got the choice of two and I'm just deciding which one is worse just say both alright oh, okay uh, Apollo is Mr Apollo Cruz is bringing out his own autopilot sort of automated car engines it's called cruise control. Terrible. Well, this one's just this one's fucking shite. Right, Rob, I blame you. This is who I blame. Becky Lynch is going to in the final segment before WrestleMania. She's going to dress up as Britney Spears, and she'll she'll grab the mic after she's like obviously Ronda will tap out from the disarm her. And it's not a match, so it's one of those ones. Oh, the intrigue! And Becky will grab the mic and sing, "I was born to make you happy." Oh. Rob, strike two point five three. <laughs> uh, right, I've got nothing else to say. Um, once again, folks, thanks for these questions. Um, yes. Hopefully, you like the answers. Hopefully, you know if you want to give us some feedback, you want to interact with us on. 
Twitter we are at Ricky and Clive. You can also find us on Facebook at Ricky and Clive. Um, also, folks, join the Facebook group, the Wrestling Square Circle. A lot of debating forum uh, um, debates and things going on there. Uh, let's say, reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of the episode as a whole. Um, what you thought about our answers. Um, and once again, thanks for downloading, and listening. And take care, folks. Good Thank night. you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time.